0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. He's to the 45. Oh, to he's the 50.
1: Oh, no, he's not. No, he's not going to plant it in midfield of the O, is he?
0: Wow. Yes, he is. Rattler again to throw. Steps up in the pocket. Oh, Throws on the right. Oh, Jake Stokes. Touchdown, OU. From the OU 34. Alligator going through. And here's Sabsett. Woody Washington. Give me that. All right, guys. Welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast. Brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host this evening, Kami and joined by my loyal compadre, Stephen Brown. Stephen, what's what's there to talk about? Is there anything to talk about? Anything interesting lately? It's just been things? a slow week. So I would just
1: do like a short stream, uh, yeah. kind of recap maybe some rumors here and there and, yeah. and kind of call it good after that.
0: Nothing really happening. Just, uh, just a little bit cold outside. So maybe some snow. It. Yeah, something like that. No, but yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, So for those of you guys that have been downloading our podcast, listening to us, first of all, A, we really appreciate you guys. We've grown so much over the last month. Of course, there's a reason for that, but we appreciate you guys for listening and rating and reviewing the podcast. Uh, There's a lot that goes into that. And for the last 2 weeks of course have been a podcasts so we just haven't been able to link up like all of our schedules have just been totally screwed like with me starting back <laughs> at OU and the PhD stuff and then uh, like you me and Jack simultaneously our jobs are always <laughs> like getting in the way of each other but now we're finally able to make it work um, and Jack wasn't able to meet with us tonight um, but otherwise we're podcasting again. We're back. We never went away. We just weren't able to make it work. And there was too much information for me to solo pod. I felt like it wouldn't do it justice. So uh, here we are. So let's start a pot. Uh, There's a lot that's been going down the last couple of weeks, but I mean, a lot to look forward to um, uh, over the coming years, months, um, (laughs) you you name it. Uh, What are your expectations because of You've got the transfer portal that looks like it's going to be pretty much here until spring. Uh, You've got National Signing Day too, that used (coughs) to be just, just the National Signing Day that happened today. And so starting off hot, what are your expectations for this team for this fall of 2022 after seeing transfers in and out and also kind of filling out that 2022 class?
1: Yeah, I think uh, obviously national championship, right? <laughs> if we're going if we're talking to expectations, but uh,
0: I think there's I think there's a case to be to be made that the sooner's think could there's be, a road? to could be like on the national scene, but of course not a national title like like you're like sarcastically alluding to.
1: <laughs> no, I think uh, I think they'll probably be in the conversation at some point. I don't expect them to make the playoffs next year by any means, but um, a Big 12 title, I think that's entirely possible given the uh, the current talent level of the program, um, the influx of coaching, the support staff. I think all that that's in front of them. That's attainable. So I don't see any reason why they wouldn't compete for a Big 12 championship and, and probably win the Big 12 championship next year. Um, but talking about playoffs and maybe a playoff win, that's probably well, I think a it's a way out of years. Of cards. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a couple of years away.
0: Do you think if the cultural playoff expanded to eight, do you think Oklahoma, like for 2022, do you think Oklahoma would stand a chance to actually make the cultural playoff next year?
1: Yeah, most likely. I don't, I don't see them being out of the top 10.
0: Oh, that's intriguing. It, I, and to me, it, d- it really depends on how quickly <laughs> the, de- the defense is able to figure things out. Right. I mean, the offense for Jeff Lebby, in that crew, um, as Stephen Willis said from Lockdown on Old Miss, uh, he, ta- he told me basically to if you wanted to look at what Oklahoma, if you wanted to, to really look at what Oklahoma's going to do on offense, and Jeff Levy came out today and was like, Nope, no QB competition, <laughs> <laughs> Dylan Gabriel's the guy, and um, he said that if you really want to look into what Oklahoma's offense is going to look like just go look at 2013 Baylor in this, basically those years when OU was down and you saw Baylor and TCU compete for the big 12 title over and over. Everything is an RPO. Essentially you got a downhill run game. You try to get your athletes in space. You got bigger athletes. You're trying to get as much speed on the field as possible. So that's kind of what to expect, but you were in the middle about to say something.
1: I don't think they're going to go full Baylor. I think, um, Jeff Lebby system has evolved as he's gone through certain coaching changes with Hypel and more so uh, with Kiffin. And now you could even argue that kale and beaten will probably implement some things that they liked under Lincoln Riley's system into Jeff Levy's system.
0: Yeah. I think that's interesting because I I've seen some instances here and there, of people talking about how Jeff Lebby doesn't really use tight ends. And uh, that's, that's not true. I mean, we well, recruited
1: about seven of them.
0: Yeah. That's, they and that, that that's a <coughs> hypo that's a hypo thing, and it's interesting because I I got into a conversation with somebody that, like, well, they didn't use them at Ole Miss last year, which they really didn't use them at Ole Miss last year. But you look back the year before, and their second leading receivers are tied in with 800 yards. It's, so it depends on the personnel, people need to realize this. Oh, you bringing in uh what two transfer tight ends. And then you've got that slew of, uh, big bodied receivers and tight ends in the 2022 class coming in. And so I think, I think it's interesting. I think it's really curious. Um, my expectations, I would say competing for the big 12 title. I don't know about winning it. I would say getting there would not surprise me at all. I mean, I expect Baylor to be very disciplined, very well coached as Dave Aranda teams are, um, Iowa State, they're losing a ton of guys. They'll be disciplined, yeah, sure, but they're losing a ton of those guys that made them. I mean, they had a really down year after the year prior when OU and them went toe-to-toe, and even OU and the Cyclones went toe-to-toe this past year while Lincoln Riley was making arrangements on which other townhouse he might buy in Los Angeles. And um, OSU lost a ton after Knowles went to Oklahoma State, but then they bring in another guy, that is a, a fantastic name. A coordinator from was it? Was it Auburn? Auburn. Yeah. Uh, and so they they're not going to pick off. They're not going to pick up right where they left off. Knowles went, and then players left with him. That's that's the nature of when coaches leave. And so for so the whole Caleb Williams thing. I'm not going to get into it. I, I really don't have any. I really don't have any staking i suppose i really don't have any claim to it because we've been talking about this for like the last what month and a half we've been talking about it for like last month this should be no surprise to anybody i think three and so so there are a lot of people that maybe were in state folks that are oklahoma state folks or people that were in the big 12 they're like oh man all these oklahoma fans they're butthurt and like uh, first of all i hate the word butthurt i just don't like it for some reason i don't know why but I don't, it, it's not, it's, if Caleb Williams goes to Miami, nobody cares. Like, well, people care, but like the reaction is not as visceral as it was. Right. Um, And, and so like, I'm not even going to get into it because this is something that people should have seen from a mile away. The writing has been on the wall since Jackson Dart officially, like the writing has really been on the wall since Jackson Dart decided to enter the transfer portal from USC, And the writing was on the wall, but even before then, so not even going to get into that kind of talking about the class. So, so my, my view is Texas, they're going to get better. I think, I think they've actually got coaches in place to actually get them to be in a better spot. You got Gary Patterson on staff now, which is really weird to (laughs) look at. I think Oklahoma state's going to drop off a little bit just because, you know, Spencer Sanders is no longer there. Uh, you have got that defense, which you know they're again, they're missing a lot of pieces. Baylor will be disciplined, but I don't know how talented they'll be. Iowa State, they're losing a lot of guys. Uh, Texas Tech, you know they'll they'll have a new. They're they're going through a regime change. Um, is, is there anybody? I'm, I'm leaving off case state. They're losing yeah. Skylar Thompson, but they will be disciplined per usual in physical per usual. Well, they got,
1: uh, what's his name from Nebraska?
0: Oh, Ad- uh, Adrian Martinez. I'm really scared, you know, but you know, it, it's just like Oklahoma. They, it's not like the entire team transferred. Did they lose like three guys at the portal? Yeah. Or more than they've lost more than three guys at the portal. They had Stogner, Rattler, Hazelwood, all those dudes. Did they lose guys at the portal? Yes, but have they recruited better than nine out of the other 10 teams in the conference? Yes, they have better talent, just just straight up. Um, And then that doesn't account for the talent that they portaled in. And so the Sooners, I, I expect them to compete for the Big 12 title. I expect them maybe even to be there. I don't know about winning it, but I certainly expect them to be there um and in the conversation for that winning that big 12 title and so talking about finishing out the 2022 class on a day which years prior would be the only day we would be talking about this the Sooners they closed it out with Jorion Burt from Florida they closed it out with three defensive ends slash edges in Grayson Halton who is actually kind of more of a legitimate defensive end uh, before we kind of got on here, you mentioned that he was kind of a sawed-off defensive end. He's he's a little bit he's a little bit smaller. His arms aren't, aren't as long, uh, it, but maybe I don't know. He's he's 6'3", 270 according to two four seven, but Rivals <laughs> has him at 6'2", 260. Regardless, he's a big guy. Uh, you've got Cavante Henry, Cavante uh, Henry, who like amid all these Harbaugh rumors, going to the Vikings, decide to stay. He flips his commitment to from Michigan to the Sooners. And then R. Mason Thomas also flips his commitment from the Cyclones to the Sooners. And I I mentioned how it was interesting because, again, you look at all these defensive ends slash edges. And they're all labeled as defensive ends. But you have Halton at about 6'3", 270. R. Mason Thomas at 6'3", 220. And then Cavante Henry at six four two zero eight, and they're all listed as defensive ends, which I think is interesting. Sooners also close out with a really really good punter from IMG, and then several 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 walk ons, uh, preferred walk ons. I think Brent Venable's is trying to find himself the next Hunter Renfro, Wes Welker kind of type guy that will replace, that will replace Drake Stoops. And some sort of slot receiver capacity. What do you think about the Sooners' late push on national signing day two that lands them actually the number eight spot in the recruiting class rankings, which is its highest in a while?
1: Yeah, it's actually pretty impressive when you look at the entire picture. Um, and especially considering how much turnover on the uh the defensive staff there was. So, we can Bob, start... held,
0: Bob held the line, yeah,
1: right? I mean, he he kind of held the team together, um, held the fan base together. And I think a lot of people around the nation saw that the program wasn't just going to fall apart just because Lincoln Riley left. And I think that um, was evident with, with the signings here and the confidence um, going into this this signing day. So we can start with like Jamari on Bird. I think that's probably the highlight signing uh, of this this late class, I guess you could say. Very, very athletic DB uh out of Florida. Um, you expect
0: him to be a safety, right? I expect him to be a Most likely.
1: Most likely. With maybe some a type nickel. of safety because
0: yeah. you know, you know, venables. The dude runs like four different kinds of safeties. It's weird. It's hard to keep track of.
1: <laughs> very physical guy, um, very violent hitter. So um you can kind of look at him as maybe what you wanted like a DTY to be, just not five ten essentially. So yeah.
0: He um, likes to get he likes to get downhill, but he's also really physical at the right. line of scrimmage as a defensive back. I've seen him, his highlights. I've seen his huddle film. The man likes to play uh, press coverage and man, he he plays safety. He likes to run downhill and it doesn't he's
1: hurt somebody in his, his huddle film. Oh,
0: it's fantastic. And it doesn't hurt that he's six one one seventy five. Yep. Right. So that can that continuation of getting in these big DBs <laughs> is not stopping in. I think something that needs to be said, I mean, I, I didn't even think about it till just now because he's been committed for so long. Holding on to Gentry Williams is a mm-hmm. huge get for Oklahoma at uh, a Booker T. My goodness. That's such a big get for Oklahoma, regardless if he was committed or not. And stories came out today that USC, of course, USC, you know, with Lincoln Riley, we'll talk about that clown later, but I mean, they made a really hard push for him, but, I guess he, he and his family, they've been OU since day one. And, um, his mom had some, you know, things to say about Lincoln rally about basically like, I think, I think the quote was you've been dating somebody for three years and you found out at the last moment that he's actually been married to somebody <laughs> else the entire time. And I was like, damn, like mom's not playing around. And a lot of, a lot of recruits, they kind of took notice to that over this last weekend. Right. That there it was like maybe their second or third visit and it was their first one with venables and the new staff and they're like totally different vibe i mm-hmm. would 100% send my my kids here to you know play for venables and to play for the staff and a lot of other things so i think that's interesting too right that the whole vibe is different that everybody is making notice not just the players and their workouts but even the parents of recruits that have visited prior <laughs> maybe multiple times.
1: Yeah. And that's something that I think was brought in by the Clemson culture a little bit, um, especially with Venables, making it a player first, a family first type program where you aren't going to recruit the player. You're going to recruit the heart kind of thing, um, or develop the heart. Um, so that's just one aspect of Clemson. Obviously that started with Dabo, um, and being kind of like that religious guy, um, Kind of push people off the field. Make sure you know you're developing as a person before you're developing as a player. So mm-hmm. that's a Clemson thing. I'm not sure Lincoln Riley was able to convey that as well. Obviously, um,
0: well, shit. Lincoln there's a family aspect, but Lincoln didn't even want like his former former OU players around the facilities, and now <laughs> you're seeing all kinds of guys come out of the woodwork and be like, I'm so excited! Like I've been reached out to a Kenny Stills just the other day who was a big proponent in the San Diego area. He yep. was like, yeah, I'm going to be going to be, you're going to be seeing me at OU. And you've seen a lot of players say that Josh Norman's going to have some role as far as like welcoming people to campus. And like, now you're starting to see this influx of former players back on the sideline once again, which that was never a thing at OU Asian Peterson. You've got Josh Norman, Kenny Stills, uh, Roy Williams, all these other guys are now like it, it's like almost seemingly like they're allowed back into the program. Whereas under the previous regime, that wasn't a thing.
1: Yeah, they would fly like Baker or Kyler in, but you don't really see too many of the mid to late 2000s players showing up too often.
0: Yeah, you, you show up unless the they need their cars. Yeah, you, you show if up. They the need the but we'll like call
1: Trent Williams
0: in, but you like you want to like <laughs> like you said you like with Dabo, you want to give this family atmosphere. You don't only fly in the flashy guys. You've got to get the entire yeah. group together, and I think that's important. And I think that says something about Venables. And we'll get to that a little bit later too, because I want to talk about him and his maybe coaching philosophy. Um, So the Sooners still need guys though. I don't think any of us are under the guise that Oklahoma is done with the transfer portal uh, just because it's like the spring semester has started. Um, So the Sooners are going to need guys. Do you foresee a strong, a very strong push or a push for just a few guys after the spring semester? Like in at what positions I know QB is one of them and likely in the trenches do you foresee yep. any other pushes elsewhere or is it just get that QB and get an, another couple of guys in the trenches in the portal
1: I think maybe you look at a safety if it's the right guy but okay. uh, I don't think it's on their their needs list obviously um they want another quarterback and I think you really need to fill out that that interior of the defensive line because I think they're kind of a little bit shorthanded there, but also the body types don't match up as well with this defense as it did with the, the previous regime. So
0: and the scholarship distribution <clears> is all kinds of messed up. I mean, you look at who they have in the interior defensive line, and you have a bunch of seniors and you have a bunch of really young guys, yep. and nothing in between, and that's if if I had to complain about Alex Grinch, because a lot of people want to talk crap about Alex Grinch. I don't understand that. I mean like I know that his defense didn't live up to the expectations this last year. Uh well the entire team didn't and we now we know why. But to that extent people should be maybe grateful for Alex Grinch uh considering where he pulled them from from the previous regime of of Mike Stoops. I mean like under Mike right it was like you expected to have to outscore your opponent under Alex Grinch. You actually had times where you're like, yeah, throw the defense on the field. Like not this past year, but the year before that and the year before that, they were like, Hey, anything could happen. And like the Sooners were actually turning it down on defense. But the issues that come with that is that Alex Grinch, they weren't able to get, they were able to get some, you know, defensive backs. They were able to get some linebackers. They were never able to really close the deal on those high school defensive line recruits and keep or, and, or keep them on campus. And so they had to go the Juco route constantly or the, or the transfer portal. So now you're left with a gap of freshmen, incoming freshmen and seniors. And the Sooners are certainly going to need more help on that defensive line. They're going to have to fill the gap with some Juco guys and some transfer portal guys, um, in the next coming years, even into when they're in the SEC, likely until they get that stability, as far as that's concerned. And so, that's what I think. Of course, the offensive line is a need, um, and a quarterback. We've been talking about OU wanting a third quarterback for the longest time, but now we're not under any illusion that there's no there's a fake QB battle. Dylan Gabriel knows the offense; he has command of the offense. There are a couple things he's going to have to learn for sure. But he definitely has it over true freshman Nick Evers and Ralph Ruckel or Rucker and <laughs> Micah Bowens. If he's even still at OU, I think he's still on the, I think he's still on the roster. He's somewhere there. And so Oklahoma will still want that third QB, but w- so what do, what do we make of Venables and companies so far? Um, like just in general on the recruiting trail, because here's the deal, like, because you just mentioned it earlier, you, you, a lot of, th- I think a lot of people when Venables was hired had the idea that, oh, he's going to be kind of like a Bob Stoops guy. Uh, he's going to kind of be that kind of sort of uh, overseer, the guy that is going to look over the team, but also sit in on those defensive meetings and especially those linebacker meetings and kind of do that. But now it feels a lot more like, He's taken a lot of what he's learning from Dabo and is going to apply what he learned at Clemson and take some of Bob's tendencies and kind of mash those together to create his own. And also, it appears as if he's a hat guy. We've seen him in hats a lot more (laughs) than visors lately, of course. It's a little bit cold outside, so if there's a spring game, we'll see what happens then. But what do we make of that? And in addition, what are your expectations of him in the big 12, but then going in to the sec and maybe not next, maybe next year or the year after, what do you expect from him?
1: Well, it's such a small sample size at the moment. Right. Um, You know, but a couple of the highlights you can point to is these assistant coaches and and especially Brent Venables are very aggressive on the recruiting trail. Um, They know how to close the deal as far as, you know, getting a kid interested, but, you know, we need an answer and we, we want you to be on this team. And if the answer is no, we have some other options in place. So they got to
0: stop with those Todd Bates pictures. They got to figure out another way. Cause like, I used to hate them, but now I think they're pretty funny. Like every time Todd, (laughs) like, no, like Todd is closing the deal for sure. Right. But all those images, like it either looks like he's given like these players, like prostate exams or the the, the last one. I, like, I, I think it was Cavante Henry. Bagged. Yeah, I think it was Cavante Henry that was jumping up, like the while doing like the jump man pose, or maybe it was. J- I think it was Cavante Henry, and like he was underneath him, so like it was like he almost looked like he was getting teabagged, or like he like was a piece of like poop that would just like dropped down because like he was right where his anus would have been. So like he's they they've, they've got to figure out a different way to like. Put those images. They've got to figure out a different way to frame those pictures and where Todd is standing so it doesn't look like he's like <laughs> checking out our the, the prostates of our uh, of Oklahoma's young defensive linemen or people that will play for him.
1: I wonder if we could ever get a picture like a photo shoot of uh, Bill Beadenbow and Todd Bates together. Oh gosh, it would be miraculous.
0: I could see them doing like a back to back, like arms folded, like.
1: Oh yeah, well, Beethoven would be in shorts. Bro you know, it's like negative yeah. nineteen outside.
0: Beethoven strikes me as the type of guy that still still wears those zip those uh, convertible jeans or convertible <laughs> pants that you. Oh yeah, you can, you can unzip the the where your calves meet and make them shorts. He he, totally strikes me as a guy that still wears those kind of pants. Yeah,
1: he's ready at all times.
0: Like, you got to be ready to go, you know, hiking at any moment. You got to be ready for winter weather. You got to be ready to jump in a creek, anything. Yeah, it's so hilarious. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) That is wonderful. But, like, what what do you think about Venables? Because it's pretty clear to me, and I'm sure to you as well, and everybody else, that not only is he getting the team ready uh, for the Big 12, of course, uh, because, like, it's the Big 12 but he's definitely getting this team ready especially in the trenches for the SEC as yep. you've seen who he's going after guys that they're really looking forward to for the 2023 class before they make that jump either next year or the year after and it's pretty clear that they're really trying to close that gap pretty rapidly and so what's your take what do you think about him getting SEC ready cuz he's he's a guy that he's faced a lot of SEC opponents He's been to the college football playoffs several times yep. and typically at the beginning of each year at Clemson, they would play in sec team. So he's had his year in and year out of what to expect from those sec teams.
1: Yeah. And I think this is kind of where it gets interesting as far as, you know, what we saw in this short period getting this, this class together and what we might see in 2023. Um, I think there's a, there's a, good part of the fan base that was a little disappointed in the star ratings of some of these guys that they landed today but you know give this staff some time let them build some credibility let them rebuild some relationships here and there and i think you'll see oh you be very very aggressive as far as pulling in talent um into the program and i think one school that you know will get people excited is img academy which clemson recruited very, very heavily. And a lot of those guys have relationship with, uh, the Brent Venables, Chavis, uh, obviously, you know, Todd Bates. So I think Oklahoma will probably push for IMG in 2023 and especially more so in 2024.
0: What I want to know is like these people that are suggesting, Oh, Oklahoma's recruiting is going to fall off because of one guy, despite being a blue blood and having quite literally, decades upon decades upon decades of success mm. when did oklahoma become detached from like when did texas and mexico detach from <laughs> north america and just float and, and just drift southward to where oklahoma can no longer recruit dfw guys where they can no longer recruit houston guys am i missing something that oklahoma did that Nebraska decided like you know, I, I don't understand that this thinking like, oh, Oklahoma recruiting is gonna be so awful because you know they're going to a place where it's harder to win. Like it's like Oklahoma is gonna be just fine. like they yeah. are right next well, door to Texas, they've got Tulsa talent right there. and of course, they are developing they're they're trying to develop those pipelines still in California still in, in with roof and Venables and Bates and all those guys in the Southeast that those are going to become pipelines too, especially once Oklahoma goes and starts playing the Southeast conference and actually goes in like, you know, you see opposing fan bases and Oklahoma is going to be far more apparent to those players that are going to be maybe playing for Oklahoma down the road or those prospective recruits.
1: Yeah. And you just look at like, um, Look at like the offensive turnover when uh, when they brought in Lincoln Riley and and they had to go recruit in the 2016 class. um, That class was, you know, more or less not the best you could pull in. And then you look at 2017; they're pulling guys like uh, CD Lamb, Trey Sermon, um, several offensive linemen. uh, I believe Charleston Rambo's in that class. Grant Calcaterra's in that class. So it's it's. Just give it some time before you kind of hit the alarm on, oh, he's just going to go after three stars for the rest of their life.
0: Yeah, and, and I, think, I think people are just, they're underwhelmed they're because like, oh, it's National Sign Day, Oklahoma got three stars. And then and of course, it depends on what recruiting service you use. I mean, like some might say you Oklahoma split it and got a couple of four stars and a couple of three stars. At the end of the day, it's always been about evaluation. Simply put, Danny Stutzman was a three star. Sam Bradford was a three-star. Now, am I saying, like, oh, you know, you got these three stars. You want them. Of course, stars matter. They do matter. You look at the Super Bowl. You look at the NFL. Who's making it to the NFL more often than not? Not three stars. They're four and five stars. So they do matter. But evaluations matter as well. And so, like – if I were to, I, I'm willing to go out into a limb and say Jamarian Burt is probably likely to have a better career than Grayson Halden at OU, uh, just strictly because the way Brent Venables likes his secondary to run. And Jamarian Burt is a three-star in our Mason Thomas. And so, again, there's just a lot of guys that, heck, even Iowa State, you have three-star but five-star heart guys that really developed And they're going to be heading towards the NFL. Same thing for Baylor. Again, it's all about evaluation and then taking that talent and then making them better. I mean, like Texas has out-recruited OU pretty much every single year besides the Rep. Bomar, Adrian Peterson year. And Oklahoma has year after year, most often since 2000 and 99 or whatever, beaten Texas more often than they haven't. And so it matters about talent evaluation, but also what you do with that talent and where you put that talent. And I think people were just underwhelmed because it was, oh, three stars, but it's National Sign Day 2. Everybody commits on National Sign Day 1 now. So it's kind of like slim pickings for those 2022 prospects. I think people need to pump the brakes there on their worries about that. I don't understand it, but at the same time, I kind of get it if you loosely follow recruiting and you just look at stars. That kind of makes sense. We gotta talk about this Latrell McCutcheon saga. We've been I've been waiting two weeks wait two weeks to discuss it. <laughs> because, like, nobody's surprised by the Williamses with Mario yeah. and Caleb. Everybody expected that. Everybody did. The Latrell McCutcheon stuff, that's a little bit weird because you have dad tweeting out fuck this coaching staff. (laughs) I should, I I should have, I should have given a, given a trigger warning for people that might be listening to this in their cars. We'll say we'll bleep it out and then say we forgot to. Yeah, that's true. That's that's what we'll do. Uh, So you've got Latrell McCutcheon's family, like being very vocal on Twitter throughout the season. F this coaching staff. I I, I censored myself. Not that it matters. Uh, You've got Latrell McCutcheon himself saying the coach, the coaching staff that they have is garbage. And that people that are, coaching them uh Roy Manning aren't the guys that are like actually good coaches and then you see him at USC officially there and is like re-upping with the same exact coaching staff that he and his entire family shit on for like months in a row and then like he starts tweeting like, oh, all these OU fans thought we were done because Caleb Williams decided to finally announce it, make it official, even though everybody already <laughs> knew it was official. But he turned off the replies because he knew everybody was like, going to be like, LaChelle, shut up. Like, everybody, like, did you, like, pay? Did you, were you aware? Were you awake during the Texas game when this guy burned you by, like, 10 yards every other snap? And so he turned off the replies because he doesn't he doesn't he didn't want it like so didn't what's your per- yeah what's what's your perspective from this because this thing is just like hilarious to me and like mm. i just it, it, it's so unbelievable yeah i i i can't wrap my mind around it other than how funny it is that they talk so much crap and now he's with the same exact people just in a different location
1: yeah, it's, it's interesting, and in some ways, we may have should have seen it with how he vocally was against Texas during his recruitment. But to say all that stuff about your own coaching staff, and then you know, two weeks later, just go out and follow him to uh, to USC is um, I'm trying to think of the right word to say this. It's very weak as far as like, because isn't Latrell McCutcheon also the guy that was yelling at the Oregon player that he was a walk on? Yep. So he likes to talk quite a bit, but, you know, when push comes to shove, you know, it doesn't really work out for him.
0: So so what you're telling you know, me is that things never changed from Friday night Tykes that he likes yeah, to talk a lot, likes to talk a lot, but you know, when it comes to
1: covering a Texas receiver or, you know, acting tough against a coaching staff and then, you know, following him to, to USC, it's just kind of embarrassing for him. So. Quite frankly, because I think during his recruitment, he was a pretty, a lot of people complimented how he handled his recruitment and how he handled, you know, visits and talking to media and all that other stuff. So it's unfortunate, but it's pretty embarrassing for for Latrell McCutcheon.
0: Yeah. And quite frankly, Gentry Williams is a better player than him right now. anyways. so I don't feel too bad about it. I mean, in Oklahoma got the transfer, uh, I'm been, I'm blanking on the name from Louisville that they're very high on as well, uh, that offensive back. So, question, and we already know this answer: Lincoln Riley. Is this guy always going to be viewed as a villain in yes. Norman? The answer is yes, right? Like, yes, like Ke- Ke- Kevin Durant. No one. There's no
1: redemption story for Lincoln Riley now.
0: like that's the thing, because Kevin Durant at one point in the future. It might be when we're both old and gray and fat and sassy and, like, we have basically, like, airplane cars where we can get to things, like, really fast already, like, more fast than we can already. People will eventually, you know, retire Kevin Durant's jersey and they'll, you know, they'll they'll, um, make amends with each other, you know. People will commemorate Kevin Durant's time in Oklahoma city and they'll retire his Jersey. I think that will happen. 100% here. There's nothing redeemable. Like you just said, there's no redeemable qualities. There's no redeeming himself. This guy has essentially just screwed himself over to the point where he doesn't even really tweet anymore because he knows Everybody is going to crowd his mentions and get bullied. So he's blocking people left and right, or his assistants are blocking people left and right. And I think it's to the point where he's going to have to have a burner to actually tweet out what he wants to tweet because anytime he tweets, either the replies are off or he just doesn't tweet at all anymore because he's, 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 it's basically like, you know how boxers, it's the punching bag, the speed bag. They call it the bean. How, like, they kind of like, they're like, those things, right? Yeah. It's like Lincoln Riley went to a beehive that was already pissed off of Oklahoma fans because the season didn't go as expected. And now we know why. And Lincoln Riley decided to go to a angry, pissed off beehive and just punch the shit out of it. And, and it is like, what did I do wrong? What happened? And it, It's just so it it's 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 so unbelievable to me. And now today he's on ESPN complaining about NIL and needing guardrails about that and the transfer portal, among other coaches. I have no words here. There's he's just no kind words. of a bitch. Yeah, for real. Like, that's, and so, that's, like his—that's what it comes his, down to. His nickname, Tebow, right, is really coming to fruition. It's yeah. like, hold I up, I got a Tebow
1: uh, sweatshirt coming in, by the way. No, oh, nice. of from program guys. Little little plug there.
0: Like for for example, um, I imagine it was Gerald because our really really good friends over uh, Gerald and Kyle Carpenter again. I'm. Shamelessly, I will always plug them because they are the best Texas Longhorn people that I know in my life that have rational conversations and are objective. Um, They even tweeted it out today, which very, very true from their podcast account about Lincoln Riley being seti spaghetti about a lot of these things. Oh, it's hard to build, build rosters. Really, bro? So they, they tweet out, you left OU 17 days before, uh, before early signing day you flipped a large number of committed players, not just Oklahoma and took the star transfer QB with you after he waited damn near a month to announce just the day before national signing day. Could you be any more of a disingenuous hack, which really sums up Lincoln Riley, right? And so a lot of Oklahoma fans. And so I think that, I think that's Gerald, but I'll ask him just, just in case it might've been Kyle, but regardless, it's good to see, Oh, you in Texas really again with the whole sec thing teaming up and be like, no, 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 no. That's not how it's going to work. And of course the replies are wonderful. Yeah, you don't or do you. that to
1: the sec. You,
0: you see you see the replies and there's a, a reply that got a lot of likes. That was the Crips and Bloods tying their uh, handkerchiefs together and being like, yep, nope, that that's, this is correct. This is the correct response to all of this. And, he wasn't the only coach though to disc- to talk about NIL and he wasn't the only coach to talk about the transfer portal. Uh Jimbo Fisher had some things to say about it. <laughs> uh which he took the opposite approach, right? He's like quit bitching. The be- the people that that, you know, are bitching the most are the ones that are celebrating the most about these transfers. But then you also have Lane Kiffin, which I thought Kiffin's uh I thought Kiffin which would also kind of fall into Jimbo's what he was saying, Kiffin also took an interesting approach about saying, talking about a And M in Texas, and basically saying, "Hey, salary caps. Ole Miss they don't have the salary cap that a And M in Texas has, and you know there might be some issues here." And so, NIL we knew it was coming. The, the the first thing we thought, I thought of when NIL was approved was I was like, "Sweet." We're gonna get NCAA football back on you know, on Xbox and PlayStation, yeah. and that's awesome. Um, and then there were some, you know, there were some warning shots of like, "Hey, it could go a different way. There could be some things happening that maybe you aren't expecting." So there weren't necessarily signs on how NIL would really impact college football, but there were some ideas and some guesses. And so we're just seeing the immediate impact of NIL. We're seeing the immediate impact of that one transfer rule. Do you? see maybe any further residual effects of that?
1: Yeah, I think uh, NIL is going to look a lot different two years from now than what it did today because there is obviously, we're in the wild west of recruiting again. So Mm -hmm. um, you look back at when- Except this time it's legal. Yeah, like in like the 1980s, like Barry Switzer area. um, You know, guys hiding people in hotels, passing cash around, something like that. And then you kind of have the NCAA try to limit these kind of things. Obviously, they did it to OU, they did it to USC, to Miami. Um, There's a lot of repercussions, and you don't really see that anymore because it just kind of opened up all of a sudden, and now anyone with a checkbook can make a a donation to a player, and and they'll come to your school. So um, it's going to be quite limited probably. Um, here in the next two years, because it's just kind of out of control, which we said would happen. So
0: yeah, I, I, think I don't
1: think anyone was surprised about how far Texas and Texas
0: A&M took this. And to that, I think Oklahoma is going to have, they're going to have a, their work cut out for them. And I think that's part of the, uh, that's another big part of the reason that Oklahoma is really stressing that family environment, uh, because there are certain things they just can't make up for money grounds-wise. Now, will moving to the SEC help? Yeah, sure, but that's also going to help Texas, too. Um, and
1: you could also argue that, you know, a year or two from now, maybe this class falls apart at Texas or Texas A&M, but those players, by NIL rules, still have to be paid. So you risk losing a lot of money on this on this transfer portal.
0: That's a good point. That's a good point. And like they, they signed those contracts, right? And, yeah. and so it's so interesting to think about the ripple effects because we we see the media effects right now. And you have a lot of coaches that are unsure about it. And it's like, it's it's really funny to see college football coaches and the reactions to it in comparison to college basketball coaches who have been dealing with this for the last couple of years of transferring <laughs> in and out. And the basketball coaches like, it is what it is. And the football coaches are just like panicking. Everything's on fire. What do we do?
1: Well, it makes sense because your roster is so large on football. I
0: just think it's so, I I just think it's so interesting. So like, we're just seeing the media impact in, in a lot of the media impact is what people maybe thought the media impact would be. I'm very curious to see what things look like. Like you said, two, two to five years down the road and what those things will look like and how that will affect roster, um, kind of like makeup and how how that'll affect money in general in schools in maybe developing some sort of other sort of league and separating from the Instable. i don't know it's going to be interesting but i'm here for the ride i'm curious to see what it looks like today's episode is brought to you by cars.com
1: This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Buying insurance can be complicated, and you might have a lot of questions, like, what if my policy doesn't cover that? Or, what if I need to make a claim in the middle of the night? Good news, State Farm is there for all your what-ifs. You can reach them 24-7, talk through any questions with your agent, and you can even file a claim on the State Farm mobile app. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com to get a quote today.
0: And so, kind of going a little bit further into Oklahoma for next year. Uh, I guess well, I guess this year, but for next season, which the spring game, it's it's February. Yeah, spring game's not too far away. And so, a couple of things that have had mentioned in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Mims Mims' dad, Marvin Mims' dad, Marvin Mim Senior on Twitter was asked, "Hey, is is." is Marvin coming back to OU, or is he going to let people know? And he pretty much just said, well, he never left OU. He's, you know, he's he's staying. And so it looks like Marvin Minns is very likely to stay at OU. I mean, it doesn't look like he would be a guy that would portal right in this, into spring, into the summer. That would make no sense at this point in his career. Looks like Jalu Farouk is coming back and gives OU, honestly, with the Owees and the other guys are bringing in and other guys coming back it gives them a really nice kind of slate of wide receivers that maybe look kind of bleak at one point. Yeah. And then you've got some running backs. Of course you've got Eric gray, you, uh, and I think Eric gray in this offense with a lot more space can actually probably be a lot more effective. Uh, you have those two, those two freshmen running back in Gavin Sawchuk, uh, Javante Barnes. You also have Marcus major, I think they want to get in one more running back. So that might be another guy in that they go after in the spring. Um, the offensive line though, are, are, are you, are you concerned? Like on the scale of one to 10, one being you're not concerned because you think it'll get turned around to 10 being like, mm, there are really real, some very real concerns heading into this year. Where are you at on this offensive line with Bill Biedembeau? They've got Mattower from uh, from Cal. Chris Murray, did he ever declare anything?
1: I don't think he did. And so if he ap- did, I didn't see it.
0: I don't think he did it either. So it appears that it's quite very likely he's coming back to you.
1: I'll have to ask my best friend, Grimlock75 or whatever it is.
0: <laughs> and, and and so I just... I. I'm, I'm just very curious to see what that the, the makeup of that looks like and in tandem with the new strength and conditioning coach, not new, just back again Schmidt uh, what do you, what are you thinking? How do you feel about the offensive line because that is going to be a major point of emphasis for Brent Venables moving forward and how successful his teams are and how successful of course Jeff levy's offense is.
1: Yeah, I think there's a little bit of concern there, especially after the, the performance in 2021. Um, but I have to admit, I'm pretty excited to see where it goes. Um, it, with a new strength and conditioning coach, a new system, I think um, they'll probably play to their strengths a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, I think questions – I think it starts with Andrew Rame. Um, you know, Can he be the anchor of the line? Obviously, he needs to get a lot stronger. Um I think for the most part the excess nose are there so it's going to be a big off season for him to become the guy that kind of holds this line together um obviously got like Juanie Morris another guy that needs to add strength but shows a lot of potential um Nate Anderson I think he played a little bit of guard mm-hmm. um highly touted recruit I think out of Frisco
0: if I re- mm-hmm. if I remember yep. right Frisco so, tech. yep
1: um that's another guy I'm kind of watching um
0: What about Bray Walker?
1: Bray Walker, I've heard.
0: (laughs) What if what what if Schmitty does some unreal stuff with Bray Walker and he actually has a breakout season? It seems like a joke, but some very very good things about Bray Walker. That's the thing; like he has the measurables,
1: and it's not just from like the coaching side. It's like some of I know some of his family, and they're like, "Yeah, this is the year he's going to really break into it and kind of." make a name for himself. I was like, that's reason. He's got one year. So, yeah. But we'll see, you know, obviously family's going to only say the nicest things. Of course.
0: And Um, and the good thing about Jeff Levy's offense is it's relatively not complex. It's not, it's not hard to learn. It's getting guys in space. The, the learning curve I'm really curious to see is the defense, especially with Brent Venables. Jeff Levy's offense is not, hard to learn it's just hard to defend especially when you have guys in space
1: right I think another guy that we might need to keep an eye on and I think it's going to be a very interesting follow is Marcus Hicks the guy that used to be a defensive line and moved to the offensive line so do they keep him there if so where does he kind of fit in is he a guard is he a tackle but um, another guy that obviously it's going to be one to watch during the spring
0: And I think that's a good point, and I think think it's a really good breakdown of kind of the offensive line and where the Sooners stand and where they might not stand, and they might even be still pursuing guys after the spring. You know, Uh, I I I would expect the OU to be still active in the transfer portal uh, post post spring semester, and uh, for guys to come in into the summer and be like, hey, like you know, let's get this, let's get our heads on a swivel, and let's learn this offense and so that's something that is going to happen and i'm i'm just again i'm just really curious about the the amount of learning curve it's going to take for the defense in comparison to the offense i think mm-hmm. because like we we let's reverse back to 2015 lincoln riley new offensive play caller for ou and it takes them a few days to get that open offense rolling right it takes them a few games to get it rolling and then the floodgates start to open and because the players feel more comfortable in the system etc the defense that has never had to like like the defense for the last few years they simply are looking down at their wrist like oh that's the call all right i have one simplistic motion that i'm supposed to be or i'm supposed to be and i make this action whereas venable's His, his coverages are incredible towards like, is it man? Is it coverage? Uh, Is is it man? Is it, is it zone? Uh, The answer is yes. Uh, There's a variety of things going on. There's a lot of movement. There's, there's a lot of faking out of the quarterbacks. You play mind games just with the secondary. And if you're able to get pressure with your defensive front four or five, That makes things even more difficult. So I'm curious about the learning curve for the defense because one of the big gripes about Venables before he was on his way out, despite the fact that his defenses when he was on his way out weren't even that bad. Like I'm talking top 50 defenses, top 60 defenses where people would have loved to have been at when Oklahoma went to the playoff against Alabama and against Georgia, where they probably would have won national titles if we're being honest. And so there's this constant narrative now that Oklahoma is going to have this weird Nebraska-esque fall from power. So there's there's he's a professor, he's a journalist. Mac Engle in the DFW area wrote a piece about Oklahoma, how they would backslide a bit. And he said they wouldn't turn into Mizzou and you know lose five games a year, but he said they would certainly take their losses. He, his headline was this was that Riley didn't think he could win the SEC like the Big 12, basically. So he dipped to a lesser conference with more resources than everybody else other than Oregon. That's essentially what the headline was. Basically, he dips for better opportunity because he didn't, he wasn't sure about the SEC. He mentions Oklahoma not didn't, didn't hire an established head coach. Mac, if you would have done your damn history, Oklahoma <laughs> hasn't hired an established head coach in how long it's been over two decades Mac like Bob Stoops was not a head coach
1: yeah would have been an assistant
0: so everything has been an assistant you know in this new millennia everything has been an assistant like into this head coaching opportunity so that doesn't check out and then he also mentions that Riley didn't want S want the SEC because he could be fired for not meeting those expectations, which then why isn't the headline Riley is basically not wanting to go to the SEC because he fears that he can't meet those expectations. And he fears being fired. That should be the headline. Not Riley dips out of Oklahoma because he doesn't, he had questions about the SEC. no, in the article quite quite frankly it specifically states Riley didn't think he could win anything in the SEC and he dipped out for USC where they have pretty much more resources than everybody combined other than Oregon in the Pac-12 cuz nobody takes Pac-12 football seriously and quite frankly the Pac-12 is probably the easiest power 5 conference that that that's it yep and so why is there this constant narrative Oklahoma is going to backslide like Nebraska just completely fall off a cliff?
1: I think it's just because it's one national brand uh, moving conferences, but there's, it's not really the same in any way. Um, Obviously Nebraska left for greener pastures, which was greener meaning money. Um, But they left a lot of the football stuff that made them special behind. They never really, tried to keep what nebraska was intact and i think that's where they went wrong oklahoma being a national uh a national brand um close to texas has plenty of avenues nationally um i don't think that their talent is just going to leave them overnight like nebraska did that just doesn't make sense to me
0: yeah i agree and again nebraska they changed conferences because of texas but they changed conferences and now no longer had that pipeline to Texas because they were never playing in Texas anymore. Yep. So who are they going to recruit from? Ohio? No. You got Cincy there. You've got Ohio State there. You got Michigan there. You're not going to beat out those guys that are that are constantly going to these championship games, especially in the middle of your freaking realignment. It doesn't make any sense. And so Oklahoma, like I said earlier people are acting as if texas and mexico just drifted southward and just like just basically just sawed off and are just floating somewhere in the south ocean now because we got a new ocean that dropped this summer don't forget that it's a, i think it's the south ocean yeah that's cool but it, it's the it's, name it's, an ocean what
1: who gets the naming rights to an ocean
0: That's a good question. I think, I think it might go to like some environmental thing, some environmental agency. And then like, they talk about it from there and have several meetings and then go to like map makers and, or people that are in charge of, I I don't know. photographers. Yeah. Like who, who is in charge of naming seas and oceans? Like, obviously we know who's in charge of naming countries but who's in charge of naming those, like like, (laughs) those things we don't, I, I, that's a great question. I don't even know that question and I'm supposed to know that answer. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's just so interesting that he's like, Oh, they're not going to turn to Mizzou, but they're certainly going to take their losses. Well, yeah, no shit, Mac. They're going to be in the sec. It's a really, really (laughs) tough conference, pal. Like not playing Kansas. You're not. Yeah. You're, you're, and even Vanderbilt is better than Kansas. Kentucky, which was once laughed at, is now an actual good football team because they have Mark Stoops there, which Mike is joining him, which is, I, ooh, I didn't, I just realized that again. That's going to be fun. I'm curious and how that'll work special. out. All right. I got some overs and unders for us. Are you ready for these? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Over under, Oklahoma averages. 37 and a half points per game this season because of Ooh. the offense, because this offense, as we know, we've seen it literally in action against Oklahoma. You've seen it in action at UCF. You've seen it in action at, at Ole Miss. Although there are variations that Levy's going to add to that along with, like you suggested with Kalen and bill 37 and a half. It's a wide-open offense that's meant to score points. What do you think? I'll go... It's tough.
1: That is a tough one. I think I'll go the over, and I think... This is my reasoning behind it. A lot of people figured out how to play OU this year. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. Everyone figured out Lincoln Riley's offense.
0: He didn't change his signals either, that son yeah. of a bitch.
1: So like, the players
0: would come off the field and be like, they know our plays. Sorry. I had a moment.
1: <laughs> Good. But uh this is a, a brand new offense. There isn't a ton of film on what they might do because it could be, it could be the Baylor offense. It could be the UCF offense. It could be the Ole Miss offense. It could be a completely new variation of it. It could be the new variant <laughs> of the, of the Levy offense. So, the new Oklahoma uh, offense. There's no, there. <laughs> there's it's no dangerous. vaccine ready for this offense just yeah. yet, like there was uh, for Lincoln Riley's offense in 2021. So, I think it will give the Big 12 trouble just because they can't really. There's no mold for it yet. There's yeah. no. There's no blueprint to stop this offense. Like so. you're
0: looking at game film from UCF. You're yep. looking at game film from, from Ole Miss, and you're looking at game film from, uh, from Baylor, and trying to figure out what the hell Oklahoma is doing. Uh, defenses will be working at here here's a here's another good one for you defenses will be working at warp speed trying to figure out how to <laughs> stop the Oklahoma offense because like it's a good thing to come to come into this season Dylan Gabriel knows I'm not gonna say the entire offense because there are wrinkles that Levy is going to add right. along with kale along with Bill and along with what Venables wants to run and so but the good thing is, Levy, he's up in the press box. He's not on the field. He's not going to be on the field guy. So Gabriel, as Levy said, is gonna obviously be the starting quarterback. They're just gonna get they're gonna get another quarterback just for depth's sake. That that was that, that's that's what they want. Gabriel can be an extension of Levy on the field because he's played for him. And so I'm gonna say over because I think Oklahoma's gonna I think Oklahoma will maybe start out a little bit slow just because they're operating within this new offense after operating within the confines of a different offense for the last six years. So it might be a little bit weird, but at the same time, these route trees are pretty simple. So I'm very curious to see what that's going to look like, but I'm going to take the over on that one as well. I think they will average at least 38 points a game. All right, over under Oklahoma limits their opponents to 24 and a half points per game.
1: I think I'll take the over on that as well, because I think there will be some hiccups in the defense with a, le- a new learning curve. And especially um, the body types aren't all there for this defense just yet. Obviously it can change if they get a couple key transfers, but those guys to our knowledge are in the transfer portal right now. So um, I think there'll be some ups and downs. There'll be more ups towards the end of the season, but They'll take their hits, and I think we will take the over on that one.
0: So I'm going to say, I'll I'll go both ways here just to play devil's advocate, right? You could say you could take the under if the defense really, because it was pretty clear Venables is coming to Oklahoma, Mikkel Chavis, Jay Valai, Todd Bates. Ted roof. If you want to throw that in there, (laughs) I mean, we all know who's running this defense and the linebackers. Ted. And read it on
1: the uh, sooner sports release.
0: And it's interesting to think about it because you saw a lot of offensive players leave. As soon as the coaching hire was announced and Riley left, you didn't see those defensive players leave a lot of those guys stuck around. And I'm talking like high-quality guys like Billy Bowman, Woody Washington, KJ Graham. Yeah, Clayton Smith, Danny Stutzman, Deshaun White. You've got guys that know what the hell they're doing that have a lot of playing time experience.
1: Kelvin and, Gilliam would be a name to watch on that.
0: Yeah, and, and even the younger guys like Ethan Downs, they've got they they got experience too. And so let's say the learning curve, let's say these guys are really are buying into this defense and catching on a lot earlier than expected then you could say under maybe but at the same time i would agree with you in saying it's going to be over 24 and a half not to say that oh oklahoma's going to average more points given up than they are scoring i like you said i think oklahoma's average to limiting opponents to to the amount of points they're scoring will go down as the season progresses, as they feel more comfortable with the defense, as they feel more comfortable with the calls, and as, of course, as they start to speed up their uh, their pace of play because they know where to be and know what to do in those moments, whereas they might hesitate in the beginning because they're like, am I making the right play? Those are the kinds of things that run through their minds as they're going through these offenses because uh, Brent Venable's defense... We know we said a million times. They're very multiple. They do a lot of things. And so that takes time to develop over under because. Levy likes to run the ball. Sooners, one and a half thousand yard rushers.
1: Sorry. My dog was having a dream. Um Over under, I'll go under. I think they'll only have one. I think, um, I'll go with Marcus Major because he makes the most sense as a all-purpose back. Uh, I like Eric Gray. I think I, you know, what we saw against Oregon is what we kind of expected to see all season. I think we'll probably see that version of Eric Gray more often, but um, I don't see him getting a thousand yards. So I'll just go under.
0: Yeah, I know. I agree. I think Oklahoma only has one thousand-yard rusher. Yeah. I think that part of it is because of. The new offense, I think part of it is whoever they start, I think, is going to end up with a 1,000 yards. But I also think another part of it is Dylan Gabriel is going to be in in that QB run game. A lot of things they run is an RPO, and he's going to take carries away from those running backs. Of course, hopefully not too many times where he gets injured like this last season. Uh, but I think it, they'll have just one one thousand yard rusher, but then you have like maybe like a six hundred yarder and like a four hundred yarder. So I think there's there's a lot of time for that. Of course, Oklahoma might want another running back through the portal, so who knows? I think Oklahoma is definitely going to play um, at least one of the two between Barnes and Salchuk a lot more. I think you will like see Barnes
1: might be the guy.
0: I, I think we'll see one of those two guys get extensive playing time. Um, but I think they'll only have at least one 1000 yard rusher. But I think other guys will have plenty of yards rushing too and plenty of opportunities because Levy loves play action. He loves to run the ball. He loves to go downhill because he spreads everybody out to the boundaries. And basically it's like hat on a hat, one on one football. Whoever wins wins. And that's why they they score so much. And that that's why Ole misses offense. And that's why uh, when Levy was there under their offense, sometimes they would have 400 yards rushing, but 200 yards passing because some teams would try to take the pass away. Well, suddenly now you've got running lanes. So then you would, the next game, you would have maybe 125 yards rushing, but 500 yards passing because they're crowding the box and it leaves people wide open for one-on-ones on the outside. And for receivers like Marvin Mims, and others that are like scap that that are that are quick and twitchy it's going to give them a lot of room so i think having one one 1000 yard rusher is pretty accurate all right now we're getting into like s&p plus or just defensive s&p so like we're talking like efficiency over under OU is ranked in the top 35 and a half in defense s and i'll go Cause it's an experienced, oh, def- it's an experienced defense. You can got Jalen Redman there. You got Jeffrey Johnson there, and, but you're learning a new one. You're learning a new style and a completely different style of defense and calls.
1: I'm probably going to contradict myself because I took the over on the last defensive one. So I'll go, I'll go under here. I think, um, you know, we talk about kind of the hiccups and the bumps and bruises that the OU might see with the the defensive changes, but at the same time, OU's put a lot of money on support staff and a lot of money on quality control staff.
0: So and they're still doing it. Today. They hired another one today.
1: Yep, and I, I I heard there's there's plenty of budget left, so it wouldn't come. surprise me if there's there's quite a few more. Um, so I'll go I'll go under because I think this this program now and what Joe Castiglione and what Brent Venables. And, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of big money donors have done is is given this program a lot of tools that they didn't have under the the old regime. So they will be able to break down plenty of film. They'll be able to break down plenty of their own film, their practice film, um, give each individual player some attention. Um, So I think they'll be very much more prepared than in previous years. So I'll go under.
0: I'm going to, I'm going to take the over. Uh, I think, I think it'll hover around somewhere between 35 and 50. I think that'll be kind of where they're at, but by no means is that a bad defense, right? Yeah. I mean, you're, that's, that's basically an average defense to sometimes they might play way above to what the expectations are. Sometimes they might play below because Brent Venables has been known to sometimes give up that big play because of the way, how aggressive he is on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm very curious to see how that ends up working out. I do at least expect them to be very, very disciplined and to be very, very physical and tough as nails. That's what I expect the most out of this defense. If we're being quite honest, uh, next one, offense. OU's is ranked in the top 11 and a half in offense S and P.
1: Uh, I'll go under. I think they're very efficient. I think Dylan Gabriel, um, as a passer does not turn over the ball too, too often. Um, and obviously Oklahoma has a bevy of, of skilled players they can go to that um that are proven at this point. Maybe not all stars, but I mean guys like Marvin Mims, Theo Weiss, um Jahlil Farouk shined a little bit there. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think who else. Uh Drake Stoops is on the roster. So Brian
0: Darby, Trayvon yep. West.
1: So there's plenty of options there um for him to go to. So I think I think I'll go the under on that.
0: Oh man, again, this is another tough one for me. I because I think they could. I I really, really think they could be right around that eleven range. Um, and yeah, I was thinking about ten.
1: Yeah, that, that's 10. That,
0: that's what I'm saying. They could really be right around that that range. So give me. No, oh, that's tough. I'll I'll take the over, but like I'm like by a, like a very slim margin, I'm like talking like, um, yes, top 15 offense. Um, I think they'll maybe like, again, like we talked about in uh, 2015 with Lincoln Riley, when he came in to install his new offense and took them maybe a couple games to get used to it. I think maybe they'll ha- hit not a lull, but I think that'll be something that affects their offensive ranking at the end of the year, how, how efficient they are, et cetera. But I think they'll still be a very explosive offense and an offense that puts up points. And so, getting to it, we just got out of January, but we haven't been able to podcast in two weeks. Some New Year's resolutions, and this can be for one person, it can be for multiple people, it can be for a coach, it can be for a player. Is there any New Year's resolution for 2022 that you would like to see this Oklahoma Sooners team really ha- have happened?
1: For the team? I don't know. I have to think about that one. I'll go... I guess we can start off with an individual. I'll go with my guy, Bill Bill but I think he need, just needs to improve his drip. Throw away the shorts. Get some like... Um, oh, what do you call those? The, the pants you can rip. Some rip-away pants.
0: Oh yeah, the tearaways.
1: Yeah, so you can have some shorts underneath, but when you need to like, when it's go time, you just pull those things off. You don't need to unzip them anymore, Bill. That's that's 1990s. This is 2022. The pull-aways are the new thing, and get him a chain too.
0: That's fair. Yeah. What? oh What kind of chain? Are we talking like big chain or like modest? Like just like. See, I like to have a modest, simple one, gold I think, chain.
1: I think Bill's such a big personality that he needs like. 24 inch like gold chain
0: so you're talking about like him showing up joe burrow joe joe shysty to the i even have a cigar too. afc title game with a massive nike gold diamond encrusted necklace rolling up to game day (laughs) (laughs) yeah i can see that that'd be cool (laughs) that'd be a lot of fun oh man for a new year's resolution for me would be and heck, oh man, I didn't even talk about defensive players. I didn't I didn't talk about defensive players earlier, like Key Lawrence coming back. That's going to be a big deal for Oklahoma as well. Uh, News Resolution Billy Bowman be on the opposite end of embarrassing photoshops, um, or not photoshops, but just photos in general. Billy Bowman has uh, suffered his fair share of stiff arms where he is being planted into the ground with his face uh, where uh, the rusher or the guy with the ball has his hand on Bowman's face. It didn't just happen during Texas. And so Bowman is going to get a little bit bigger. Obviously he's not going to tackle as high because under Brent Venable's defense, they're of course more disciplined and they actually teach defense and tackling and, when to actually look for the ball, unlike Roy Manning, who's actually a linebacker's coach. And so that's what I would say is is, is Billy Bowman just really trying not to get postered this time and really focusing on the fundamentals of of uh, defensive football because he came into OU being kind of like a tweener. He could play wide receiver and slot and be a really, really good guy there. He could play nickel or cor- not cornerback. We saw that this past year, but maybe he was a freshman. That's that kind of it's kind of unfair to judge him off of that. But you saw him play nickel and he was okay there, so we'll see. I mean, but I'm I'm really curious to see what 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 looks like there. A little bit of shooty hoops. The men they looked really really good. Men's basketball looked really, really good, but they've they've recently lost. I think like seven out of the last nine or something like that. Again, the Big 12 is just a really tough league. The women are playing right now um, against Baylor. Again, another highly touted team in the Big 12. And they're winning by one point after a third quarter. Heck, I mean, like, now I feel like Sherry Cole has robbed the University of Oklahoma even more (laughs) after (laughs) seeing what Jenny Baranchek has done with this team. I mean, like, seriously. This, this Oklahoma women's basketball team has not been relevant since the Courtney Paris, since Courtney Paris was at OU, since the Paris twins. And that's been, that, that's been a long time ago. It's, it's been more than a decade. Years, yeah. 13 it's, years. It's, it's been more than a decade. And Jenny Bronchek comes in with a, you know, with a transfer or two. And suddenly They've only lost like two games and she's in running for coach of the year, not just the big 12, but nationally and is beating ranked teams left and right. Like they deserve all that credit. I know you're not big, uh, a big hoops guy for OU, but I do know this about you and in any information that you'd be willing to tease or maybe even give out for people listening to the podcast. There's some certain maybe building developments in the, uh, in in the oh. near future for Oklahoma that people might be aware of, and I think you've even pushed it out on Twitter maybe once or alluded to it. Is there any inkling you would be willing to give the listeners, or is that something you'd like to save for later?
1: Yeah, I can kind of go into depth with it. I think um, obviously one of the criteria for the the Brent Venables hiring, and also with that turnip seed would have been how do we take OU's already really good facilities and continue to build on them? Um, And that's kind of been a struggle in the past with the fundraising and obviously the stadium um, upgrades, the press box, the North side, all that stuff never came to fruition, but um, it does sound like OU has found some money to, to make slight improvements across the current, um, current facilities. And those would be, I think someone's already touched on some of the medical facilities, as far as just like getting, like uh, I think there's like a chiropractor in another room, but now they're gonna do like uh, those cryo tubes. You know what I'm talking about?
0: Oh yeah,
1: people jump into. So I think they're gonna add a few of those some of those float tanks i think are going to be involved i think they're going to remove the barber chair and
0: nobody used it anyways they all went to scissor hands or <laughs> yeah. the, the they all went to scissor yeah. hands or their teammates dorm rooms to get their hair done they didn't use that barber it was a cool it was a cool idea at the time but nobody used it yeah
1: i think they'll they'll get rid of that one it wouldn't be surprise me if there's like a vr golf somewhere mixed into that so um, there's a lot of plans to kind of push some new stuff into the kinks. There's not a ton of room. They don't want to move the gym just yet um, to put in the, the dining facility. And then on the other hand, I think the bud center is probably going to get demolished. Um, that hasn't really been finalized by any means. So this is just kind of uh, assumptions at this point, but it does it's seem spe- like speculation. It's and, speculation yeah. yeah. So it does seem like that's pretty probable. Um that the Bud's going to be gone. I don't think they're going to try to retrofit it at all. I think they're going to do a, a brand new facility for some of the new staffers. And and hopefully, I think it's going to be more of a practice facility with offices in it.
0: What what that makes me think of is a really funny... It, is, is an, it's, it's a funny story now, but it was an awful experience on my end. So when I was an undergrad, I went to UCO uh, up in Edmund. And of course, I, I I went to the gym in the morning at like I wake up like at 5 30 and then hit hit up Edmund and go to the gym, then go to class. And in those locker rooms, like especially the older guys, those old guys don't care. Like they'll just walk around those locker rooms naked, right? And I had one guy that one older guy that was apparently the dean of some something trying to tell me. Trying, just trying to get to know me while he's like very naked. He's, he's wearing sandals. That's it. He <laughs> just, he's just trying to talk to me and like about my life and like what my major was. And then he told me, cause there's this building on the UCO's campus uh, called old North. It's the big clock tower. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Hey, by the way, um it would cost m- less money to demolish this building and to build a new one then to actually just renovate it and, and just make it usable again. And they decided to renovate it and use all my student fees for that. So that's what that makes me think of as far as like <laughs> when you retrofit something, you're just like renovating it. It costs more money instead of just yeah. like demolishing it and building everything brand new, which I think is interesting. But it also
1: sounds like practices will be a little bit more open to, uh, to media and maybe i don't think fans will be allowed to go but they're not going to freak out that there's someone on the roof watching essentially
0: with binoculars
1: yeah they're not going to be
0: out of a window freaking out about that yeah no and in in retrospect why did lincoln care the dude gave up on the season he never changed his calls like uh, (laughs) quite quite literally for people that don't know, people were coming, like the defensive players, not not the defensive players, the offensive players were coming off the field against Baylor saying they know the plays were running and they never changed the signals for the plays that they would send in from the sideline. It's just unbelievable. But that's all I have. Do you have anything else?
1: I think I've got a new a new resolution for the team. Okay. I think I want Jr. Is it Jr. Sandlin? Yes. Jr. Sandlin and Thad Turnipseed to to bulk up over the summer. And I want them to be the get back guy for Brent Venables. You know the get back guy that they had a Clemson? Oh yeah, they
0: had they had to hold him back with like two. Yeah, arms. they had like a
1: six five like
0: roided out guy. Sandlin's all over Twitter. That man, that man cannot be stopped. He tweets like every five minutes. It's impressive. And it's like different things, too. You think they're scheduled tweets or is
1: he just always on his phone?
0: I think he's always on his phone. I think so, too. I think it's like part of his job, right? Always be on your phone. Always have it on you. That's interesting. Let me think think of another New Year's resolution. I want...
1: Don't say kale and eyebrows.
0: (laughs) You already said it. I mean, like... (laughs) It's it's interesting to see Kale, like, on TV, <laughs> right? And then you see him in person, and you see that those things just aren't there, those eyebrows. Oh, like, yeah, they're gone. The, the sun has burnt those things off, okay? And so it's just so interesting to, to see that. Uh, another New Year's resolution. Uh, let's go with... Let's go with... Um, OU offensive staff keeping Marvin Mims on the field. Or or OU staff in general, keeping their best players on the field in the most crucial moments. How about that?
1: You don't want him to rotate?
0: I think rotation is necessary, but at the same time, not at the detriment of your team, which Nick Benito can uh speak to. He he tweeted about it and deleted about it several times throughout the season. So, I think
1: I would want my my resolution to be rock and roll tequila inside the uh, stadium,
0: and as a, a refreshment for halftime for the players that don't want Gatorade.
1: Yeah, that'll make things spicy.
0: Yeah, a little get get getting yourself a little buzz and feeling a little good playing. Uh, but going into the second half, especially <laughs> in, in cold weather, things things uh, don't feel as cold and don't sting as much. That's not true. A, not a bad idea. But that about it? You done? I'm done. I, well, I'm gonna plug. I'm gonna plug the Discord this time. Oh yeah,
1: I forgot. It's look, been two weeks. I forgot.
0: Look! Look at me go. No, <laughs> I, I've just. I've just got. i just got a list right here. Uh, yeah, guys, join the Discord, and I will put it in the bio of this podcast. You can now rate podcasts on Spotify. So if you're listening to this on an Apple device or anything please give us a five-star rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. Also makes us more visible to everybody else that might be listening to the podcast. But if also you're if you're a Spotify listener, you can also rate us. And so if you would rate us a five-star, I don't think there is time for reviews for Spotify yet, but I think that will be coming soon. So if you would please do that, we would definitely appreciate it. And we appreciate all you guys that are continually listening to us because again, at the end of the day, we do this for fun and we really appreciate the fact that you guys are willing to listen. Um, and so, follow us on Crimson You can follow us on Twitter at CC Machine. You can follow Jack at JLarry Shields. You can follow me at KM Robbie and CCM. And you can follow Steven at OU Updated SB. Thank you guys for listening. And we will check you guys next week.